0: Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders. While supplies last, minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: Oftentimes, people are caught out in behavior that seems unusual. They get angry and they yell at you. And they're going to come back and they're going to go, I'm really sorry. That's not who I was. I didn't mean it. It just happened once. People never do something once, they have habits. They always do things again and again and again.
2: It's events Benson, your favorite meme queen and the big sis you didn't ask for. But need. welcome to Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Almost Adulting. Are you ready? Hey, besties, and welcome to a brand new Almost Adulting, your top mental health and dating podcast with me your host and your big sister violet benson we are almost at the end of the year i know it's pretty depressing this is the episode before the last one of the year i guess if i don't count the tuesday episodes so maybe whatever cool 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 i don't know why i was a math tutor for 10 years because clearly i can't count but forget that this is about you not about me so today is part two of my episode with robert green. He's brilliant, a genius. If you missed last week's episode, shame on you because you will learn a lot. It is such an insightful conversation and just a bunch of also great ways to manipulate people. But like in a good way, like as a good person. You know how there's a difference between black magic and white magic? I consider this more white magic. Just how to protect yourself from bad people. How to pay attention when people are trying to manipulate you by learning these manipulation tactics. So trust me, go listen to last week's episode if you haven't and Make sure to listen to this week's episode today. It's so good. The ending is my favorite part when I come up with my insightful opinion of what I learned from the episode. I think you guys will like it. Yeah, make sure to subscribe to this podcast if you're not already subscribed. Two episodes a week on Almost Adulting, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And make sure to download today's episode. I'm trying to see something. So just do that for me. And lastly, if you love today's episode and if you love me, take five minutes of your day to give me a five-star review on the podcast app it really helps and i read all of them and you know i love you also some of the reviews you guys ask me for advice questions and that's how i'm able to see them and give you the advice that you need on these episodes so make sure to write your five-star review or also ask me any advice questions in those reviews and i will make sure to get back to you on the episodes but yeah i'm really excited for next year there's going to be a lot of new things with this podcast i can't can't wait. A lot of new Tuesday episodes, a lot of confession corner, a lot of ways to include you guys in more, a lot of more solo episodes and a lot of exciting things coming up next year. So I'm excited, but today i do want to say again the holidays uh christmas is coming up many of us don't celebrate christmas whether you're jewish like me or for whatever reason you don't really celebrate holidays i do want to say that you're not alone that i love you i'm here with you i'm sorry if this is right now a hard time for you i'm sure it is for many people it's also a hard time where you start to reflect on everything you've achieved this year but don't be hard on yourself if right now you feel burnt out again you're not alone I'm going through the same thing. Many people are as well. This is a time for you to relax, to go back and be thankful for everything you have achieved. Be thankful for everything you let go. Take time to relax, to be kinder to yourself. This is the end of the year and it's time for you to just take it easy, okay? So breathe in, breathe out. Be thankful for where you're at. And then next week, we'll be able to discuss planning for our goals next year or not, you know, or just take it easy. Don't be hard on yourself. Okay? Okay, good. Anyway, you guys, I hope you enjoy today's episode. I love you so much. And if you are currently going through a hard time and you want to talk to someone, feel free to DM me on Almost Adulting Instagram or byla Benson TikTok, and I will do my best to get back to you. Enjoy this episode. Mwah! So, you mentioned that during your work as a skip tracer, you learned about the power of deception. Can you explain what that is and why it's useful?
1: Well, uh, a skip tracer, people probably don't know what that is. I don't know if the job still exists anymore, but back in the day, we're talking about the late 80s, about when you were born. I got a job at a detective agency in Pasadena here, and um, I wasn't a detective. What it is, I was a skip tracer, and what that means is you spend your whole time in the office on the telephone and you're trying to find people who have skipped town, who owe money, quit their bail, mm-hmm. people are trying to find them, whether it's for, for money or whatever. And your job is to find them.
2: Like a bounty hunter?
1: All on the telephone.
2: Oh, okay.
1: I wish. That's mm-hmm. much more romantic and exciting. So basically, they give you a script to follow. You're going to call people up. And then I learned very early on to just improvise on my own and not follow the script. So Teddy, just to give a name, from Racine, Wisconsin, he um, owes a bunch of money and he skipped town and no one can find him. And the creditors are trying to, to locate him. Back in the day with the yellow pages, et cetera, I'm going to locate Teddy's mother and I'm going to call her and I'm going to go, oh, hello, Mrs. Blah, blah, blah. I'm an old friend of Teddy's. We grew up together. We went in junior high school. You did research. You found out where he went to junior high. We're having a reunion and I need to contact him. It should be kind of, oh, I don't know. I'm not really to say. And then I would take it to the next level. Well, you know, it's really important here because there's something I, I really need to give him, etc. I don't know, whatever it was. Yeah. You had to learn to lie like hell on the phone and make it convincing and improvise in the moment, depending on if they were kind of stupid and they gave you the information, whether they were like wary of you and they're kind of on to you. And you learn very quickly that it's not very difficult to deceive people. You tell them a story, you know, first of all, you convey a lot of emotion. I learned that emotion is very important to deception. That
2: is so true.
1: So if I, you know, if I sounded, oh, that's too bad, you know, we were such good friends and da 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 and 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 i make it seem very sincere it's hard to resist a person who seems sincere okay and so slowly i would get them the information out of them and i'm afraid i was very good at the job Um, and it was a very depressing job i only lasted about four months out of it because basically i was doing things that made me feel really ugly and dirty so teddy skipped town with debts, but maybe he's a nice guy and maybe, you know, he just had a few bad breaks in life and here I'm fucking up his life and doing all these terrible things and I'm lying and I'm deceiving. I hated myself, mm-hmm. but I realized that it's very easy to deceive people. And then I had an earlier incident in my life, which was probably more telling and I don't know if I want to completely confess to it, but I lived in Paris, France when I was 21.
0: Nice.
1: I worked in a hotel And in order to work in the hotel, I had to lie and say that I was Irish. The owner of the hotel thought I was Irish because I had this green cap. He was that dumb. He's a really nice guy and I liked him, but he thought I was Irish. Yeah, I'm Irish, sure. But then I realized that English people are staying at the hotel and that Irish people are staying at the hotel and that Americans are staying at the hotel. So he thinks I'm Irish and I'm speaking French to him because I speak French. But how the hell am I going to start lying to Irish people and English people? So I had to learn the accent. (laughs) I had to learn how to dress like an Irish person. I had to learn how to behave, how to have the body language. I would go to like pubs in Paris and observe the people and listen very closely. And I created a past for myself. I went to this school because I loved my job. I didn't want to leave and I didn't want to be arrested or whatever. This is the school I went to. I created a past for myself. At one point, I had an Irish girlfriend, and she couldn't tell. <laughs> that's funny. Well, she could tell that something was a little bit hard. <laughs> but I said, oh, I spent a lot of time, and in- I lived in America for a while. Did you
2: have a different accent with her the whole time? Oh, yeah. That's funny.
1: Anyway, so that's another way I learned if you appear to be sincere it's very easy to deceive people. I think the lesson for you out there, to how to how to detect if someone's a liar, is if they're pouring it on a little too thick, right? If they're trying a little too hard, if they seem a little too, you know, a, a, they're going a little an extra mile to appear a certain way, they're probably hiding something.
2: To appear a certain way, do you mean as? Like sometimes you meet someone, they're too nice. And then you're thinking to yourself, come on, you're just, you're being paranoid, but they're just so, well, I love everything about you, blah, blah, blah. Or if they just spill everything about their emotion, they're like, well, now you tell me your secrets. That's right, that's right. That throws me off. And I always think there's something off with that.
1: Yeah, they're trying to get information on you. A theme that I talk a lot about in my books, in 48 Laws and Human Nature, etc., is envy. Envy is a very powerful emotion. And what happens is... Envy is most prevalent and is most dangerous among friends. Yes. Oftentimes a person who kind of envies you will purposely become your friend because consciously or unconsciously, they want to get information on you and they want to hurt you in some way. I'm not saying that this is, you need to be paranoid and this is going to be everybody in your life, but the worst stories you hear about envy in the world are always among friends, right? Who, who have hurt you because they have the dirt on you. So I tell people, if someone you've met them, it's only been like a week and they're like your best friend and they wanna see you and they're texting you all the time and they're just laying it on a little too thick about how they love you and they think you're wonderful. That is probably a sign of insincerity. It could be a sign of somebody who envies you. Be a little bit wary because it's not natural yeah. To love someone, to like everything about them when you first meet them. We're all a little bit wary of strangers. And if in a relationship a man is coming on so strong, he's in love with you after like two dates, he wants to marry you, he's buying all these things, I think all sorts of red flags need to go up in your head, something. Right. And it hurt. sucks
2: because if you sometimes it feels some sometimes things feel off. And then you come off as paranoid or something like that. But in reality, it is not normal if someone tries to become your best friend within a week or tells you how much they love you, I'll do anything for you, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Like, yeah. you're right, it's not normal. No, it's and they not. do want something from you.
1: i say 90% of the time, sometimes there are exceptions. Maybe they truly do love you and maybe there is this connection, it happens. What makes a life
0: a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you.
2: I could stay here forever.
0: Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today.
2: Okay, one thing that I would want to know... What would you say the best question you've ever gotten? <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, the best questions are the questions that kind of make me angry, and I kind of get a little oh. bit, you know.
2: Okay. Um,
1: a little bit. I don't know. Snippy.
2: Oh, um, that's that's we consider the best questions. Yeah,
1: because.
2: Um, I need to make you angry.
1: Yeah. Why
2: are you the way that you are?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't help it. Um, So when people start like, you know, your books are really popular in prison. Why is that? And I'm going, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, because his books are popular in prison, that means it's an evil book. Why else would they be popular in prison if it didn't mean that this book is really, truly evil and Machiavellian? There's a subtext. Okay, that gets my goat going. I said, oh, fuck you. Well, you know, people in prison are human beings. and prison, I'd like to see your ass in prison one day and how you'd respond if for some reason you you did something by accident or you didn't intend to and you ended up in prison. You'd be buying the 48 laws of power. You better believe it. right? Because you're landing in the most horrific environment where power and people can be so manipulative. The guards, the prisoners, they're human beings. Have a, have some empathy for them. And so the book doesn't necessarily mean that only people who are criminals
2: read it. But that's nice because then what you did is you twisted around. Like, why, what are you trying to say by saying only prisoners read my book? Are you saying mm-hmm. the prisoners are bad? Is that what you think? Yeah. Then they look bad. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, I'm not going to ask you any questions that make you angry. What's the best advice you've ever gotten?
1: Well, um, the best advice I got was the worst advice I ever got. Okay. So I was 26 or so, maybe, I think. And I had been living in New York, and I was working in journalism. I wrote this article. uh, It was a travel magazine. It was an article about Italy. And I was kind of poor at the time. New York was very expensive. And so I kind of um, recycled a similar article and wrote it for another magazine. And the editor, uh, for the magazine called me in to have lunch. I thought he was going to tell me what a great article it was. Cause I thought it was a very interesting article. It's about the Amalfi coast and the history of it, et cetera. And he started drinking a lot. And he started telling me at some point, Robert, you're a terrible writer. This is not the career for you. You have no discipline. Your writing is all over the place. You don't know how to communicate. It's just not right for you. You're too flamboyant. Your writing is too exciting for, for what we're trying to do here, et cetera, et cetera. I think you should go to business school. You should go to law school. But this, this isn't the, the right place for you. You know, afterwards, for a couple of days, I was kind of upset about it because he was, you know, he was very direct. He wasn't like mincing words. He was basically saying, my writing sucked.
2: Mm -hmm. Did you look up to him?
1: No. I mean, he was an alcoholic.
2: But his words still, you still took offensive words?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know, part of me is going, well, maybe he's true. Maybe I'm not a good writer. And then uh, about a week later, I started calming down. And what often happens, I think most people have this experience in life, that somebody says something or you have a bad situation that occurs, you get upset, Then as time goes by, you see it differently, right? And you kind of calm down, and you have a different perspective. And then I realized, you know what? This guy is right. The reason I suck at this is because journalism is not the right career for me. I'm not putting my heart into it. So there was some truth to what he said. He just wasn't being very nice about it. So what I need to do is I need to get my ass out of journalism Mm -hmm. and to start trying something else. And I still want to be a writer. I don't believe that I'm not a bad writer. It's just journalism was not the right discipline for me. I moved back to Europe, and I started trying to write novels and things like that, and I wandered around, and I had many incredible experiences, et cetera. And then I ended up trying Hollywood, and that wasn't right. But I never lost faith that I was a good writer. It's just I learned that I had to find the right match. So it taught me several things. It taught me when people criticize you, try to listen to it there might be some grain of truth but don't take everything so personally. And the second thing is, but don't take everything so personally, have the ability to step back and say, is this really true? So if I had let him bruise me permanently, I would have gone to business school or law school. I would have made some money. I would be in my forties. I'd be very depressed. I'd probably be doing drugs or alcohol. And I might have committed suicide by now. I wouldn't even be alive. I wouldn't be talking to you here, right? But I didn't listen to him. So sometimes the best advice is is when people are mean and critical to you, and you step back and you go, "Damn it, they're wrong." I'm going to prove that they're wrong.
2: You right. Know? I love that. I think I think that's really great, especially when you take rejection or criticism, and you know they suck and say, "Okay, this person's completely wrong," but Obviously, the reason you cared so much is because you felt like there was some truth to it, and then you managed to prove him wrong. But you managed to go some to do something completely different, still writing though. Yeah. So I love that.
1: Right. Exactly. I got my revenge on that guy.
2: Yeah, he's a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I did have this question when you were talking about when you were um, the skip tracer. I was wondering. Is there a moral difference between deception and lying? Why is deception considered powerful versus lying is wrong?
1: It's kind of a almost a semantic question. So if I'm talking to you now or we're in a relationship or something and I and I tell you that I'm Irish and I'm <laughs> not, you know, and I'm deliberately lying to you but I'm doing it to impress you, to make you think that you're dating some some exotic person, that's a lie, right? And what am I getting out of it? I'm not really getting out of of it, anything. And I'm being kind of fake and phony and I'm uncomfortable with myself, which is what ended up happening when I was in Paris after about nine months, I got so tired of it. I just wanted to be myself again. I was really sick of it. Deception is something that people do in business, they do in advertising, they do in warfare. They're doing any kind of strategic situation.
2: Marketing. It's called marketing Marketing. in In
1: business. (laughs) So if people know that you're actually selling a really crappy product, who's going to buy it? No, it's filled with vitamins, blah, 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 blah. It's going to make you healthy. It's going to make your skin glow, blah, blah, blah.
2: The number one skincare routine is they use this. How do you know it's the number one skincare routine? I don't know. I made it up. Yeah. (laughs) Marketing.
1: Yeah, that's marketing. So that's a form of deception. Um, It's for strategic purposes. It's to get people to buy your product or to vote for you as a politician or you're trying to deceive your rivals as to what you're up to. I have a law in the 48 laws of power called conceal your intentions so that people don't always know what you're up to. So you're not such an open book so that they maybe don't really know what your next move is going to be. These are forms of deception that are very powerful and will be very effective in the world. And businesses are using them every single day. But the other part of that is, is we need to be less naive. We need to be able to see through people's deceptions as well Mm -hmm. It's another skill, which is part of the reason why I reveal in my books how people deceive so that you can learn how to see through them.
2: Which upsets people. It it is interesting how people will allow this type of behavior and they will plot it. But when you take the mask off and you get to see how the work was done, which a lot of times is deception and manipulation, then something it's looked down at. It's kind of weird how people sometimes don't want to know the truth because it right. less pretty. That's right. Yeah. Okay. So out of character moments are usually a reflection of a person's true self, a.k.a. when the mask essentially falls off. So how can one use this knowledge of witnessing someone's mask fall off to their benefit?
1: Well, the first thing to understand is oftentimes people are caught out in behavior that seems unusual. They get angry and they yell at you or they they, they, they cheated on you or whatever it is, right? And they're going to come back and they're going to go, I'm really sorry. That's not who I was. I didn't mean it. It just happened once. Please understand. You know who I am. It's not me, right? So the first thing you have to do is... Take a step back and not believe that. When people do something once, people never do something once, generally. They have patterns. They have habits. They (laughs) always do things again and again and again. So if somebody is late, you know, let's say.
2: That's my problem. Okay. You're right. They're
1: a half hour late and you go, oh, I'm so sorry. The traffic was terrible. I couldn't help it. I was blah, blah, blah. I'm really sorry that's going to happen again and again and again. That's a habit that person has. They're pretending that it just happened once, that it wasn't who they are, but it is who they are. So when people do things that are out of seemingly, quote unquote, out of character, whether it's anger, whether it's doing something a little bit manipulative or impolite, just generally think that there's something behind it. Because Mm. in social life, you're always trying to present the best front. You're trying to disguise your flaws. You're trying to make people think that you're angelic, that you're virtuous, that you're wonderful. You're so generous and thoughtful. And you're hiding all of the ugly, shadow, dark stuff inside of you. And when it comes out in some behavior, like Mm -hmm. the kinds I just mentioned, that's really who you are. That's a really authentic part of yourself that's coming out. So pay attention to those moments when people kind of you don't have to judge it you know necessarily, but if Be so, aware of it. Yeah, if someone has a flash of anger that you've never suspected before, step back and go, what is behind that? That was there was something they revealed something true about themselves that they've been hiding. Huh. And what is what does that mean? So those moments are when you actually get to glimpse what's behind the mask.
2: Right. That's why A, my dad always says, if you want to get to know who someone is, get them drunk.
1: Yes. Because their true
2: character comes out. But Mm. there's a saying somewhere that I read before that the best way to predict someone's future behavior is to look at their past behavior. So I think, yeah, no, that's, it's insane. You're so right. I'm always late. And sometimes people that don't know me, I'll say, I'm so sorry for being late. That's so unlike me, but it is me. Yeah.
1: you right it's, it's more you than anything else in some ways
2: <laughs> yeah but it's it is mind-blowing the way you explained it because it's that's so out of character for me that's so unlike me but it actually is exactly who they are yeah i never realized that before now i'm gonna pay more attention um so <laughs> what are some basic tactics that you have to that someone can use in the workplace to move up like you know you said never outshine the master Be like the sheep, even if you think differently than them. Pretend like you don't.
1: Yeah. Unfortunately in life, having the most talent and being the smartest person does not ensure success. In your work world, or in your career, look around at the people who've risen to the top. They're not often the most talented, right? Right. They have political skills. They're really good at maneuvering. Now, maybe you don't want to be like that. But maybe you could be just a little bit more like that to help yourself. So, for instance, when you first enter the work environment, be very observant. Your first tendency is to not be observant. Your first tendency is to be thinking about, this goes back to what we were saying earlier. Your first tendency is to think about yourself. Am I impressing people? Am I saying the right things? Is my work good enough? And instead, you want to be looking around like an eagle, like a hawk observing who's got real power in this world, who's who's really controlling the strings, who's the person I should not offend, who's the really insecure person who's probably full of envy that if I say the wrong thing, he or she's gonna be my enemy for life. Just observe the dynamic and see, you know, it's like well looking at a chessboard and seeing who's the knight is, who the king is, who the pawn is, who the rook is and just observing it as opposed to striving so hard to impress people. You want to not isolate yourself, you want to have allies in the work environment. So you want to figure out who are the people that really have the power? Who are the gatekeepers? It's not often the boss, it's like the person who works for the boss, who is the boss's gatekeeper. that's so
2: annoying and sad that that has to happen in the workplace, but everything you're saying is exactly what happens in people's workplaces.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, if we were, if, if everything were right in this world, all, all that would matter would be results and ideas, but that's not who we are and people have egos. So be aware that everyone has an ego and that you can inadvertently offend people, not even being aware of it, but just be aware that everybody has insecurities and to not like inadvertently touch on their insecurities, et cetera.
2: So to rise up in the workplace, it's important to make allies. It's important to be observant of who has power and who's can be your worst enemy and all that. It's, it's, so this talent or working hard even matter?
1: No, there's one other law that's most okay. important one of all, and that's learn to keep people dependent on you. I forget which number oh, it is. Oh, I love that one. 13 or something around there. If you're replaceable in the office or in the work world, you will be replaced. So if there are other Violettas doing podcasts similar to yours, in two years, people are gonna grow tired of you. They're gonna want someone new, that new person's gonna come up, he or she will be there younger and hungrier, et cetera, and they'll replace you. So you, you wanna be in a position where you cannot be replaced. You have a skill that's unique, that sets you apart, that if they get fire you, It's going to cause them pain. Yes. It's like, you know, um, trying to get rid of a a weed with all the roots in there. and, And it's just a nightmare to get rid of. You want to be in a position where you have something that nobody else can duplicate in the office. It could mean that you have allies in different parts of the office or wherever the environment is. And to get rid of you is going to upset a lot of people. But if you're replaceable, you will be replaced. So you have to have something unique, a talent, or skill that sets you apart from everybody else and that they will not easily be able to find someone else. Because as you get older, you become more expensive. You're going to want to raise, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And they're going to find someone younger and cheaper to replace you. But if they can't replace you, then that's the ultimate position of power.
2: I love that. I, I, I agree with that. I wish I read your book when I was uh, younger because everything you're saying, you just said a second ago with the allies and all that, I didn't. I wasn't aware of that when I became an accountant. One of the reasons I had to leave my job and I created Daddy issues, which ended up benefiting me, was because... I didn't know that you had to create allies. I didn't know that you couldn't step on people's toes. I came into my office and I wanted to be a partner and it was very known by how hungry I was.
1: That's bad, bad. I I've violated several laws.
2: So many. I, and I just, I didn't know I had to hide things. And when people I felt came off manipulative, I didn't have social cues. So I would say, wait, why are you saying that? But well, you don't mean what you're saying. I can right. tell by your body yeah. language and I would come into the office before my partner would come in, and then I would leave after he left. That's how I got on projects with my partner, and as a junior um, accountant, that wasn't the thing until me, which rubbed so many people the wrong way. And we had a career advisor, and the career advisor, she was so bad at her job, but she had allies, and that's why people kept her around, because she had, she made so many friends, and uh, yeah, they all teamed up against me, and, and I remember my partner, when you tell me that these people are not happy with me, I remember I said, why don't they like me? I'm not doing any, I'm not bothering them. Like I don't even notice them. I just want to keep moving forward. And you guys said, Violetta, that's the problem. You don't notice them. And it still sticks
1: with me. What separates someone like you from other people is that you learned that. You, You were able to assess that. You're able now to go back and admit it. But a lot of people in life can't do that. They just go through life blaming other people. So you could have easily been one of those and you could have gone, God, those horrible people at that accounting firm, they were just so nasty and mean, and they were so bitchy and political. And then you just keep repeating the same pattern over and over again, because you cannot learn. You can't look at yourself. But what's different about what your story is, it's good that you did what you did, because it taught you a lesson and you learned from it. And now you'll never do it again.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I learned that sometimes you have to be political, and uh, I agree. Appear dumber than you are.
1: The other thing that you learned, which I learned in life—I mean, I'm not—I don't want to put words in your mouth—but sometimes you're not a good person in a working environment with people. Sometimes you're better off being an entrepreneur, running your own business, being your own boss, which is who you are now. So you don't have to do those kinds of things anymore, right? Yeah.
2: That's true. I mean, I still have to work well with others for the most part.
1: People right, but you don't have to brown those. You don't have to butter them up and everything like that.
2: Uh, yes, in some ways, but I I had the same experiences that I've learned now with what I do with okay. agent, male agents, with if I stepped on their shows, oh, how yeah. quickly they would yeah, try well, to learn it's my reputation. A, you know, for,
1: um, it, it's a trickier game for women than it is for men.
2: Yes. Because when I'm as strong, I come off as a bitch. Versus a man will come yeah. off as confident. Yeah, and a go getter.
1: Yeah, it's it's harder for women. I agree.
2: But I've also learned how to then use that. I used to be so against it. I used to walk walk into the workplace and I wanted everyone to know that you know I'm as powerful as guys. When in reality, everyone knew I'm a woman. I don't need to tell them twice. They know. So for me to constantly go out of my way to prove myself, I was doing things wrong. I was coming off too aggressive. And I started to learn as I got older to use my feminine side. And I realized that I can still gain power by being my feminine self and using being a woman instead of going against it all the time to prove something to someone, to my dad. (laughs) Because a long time ago, I remember I was telling some guy to do something. We're working together. And I said, okay, no, you need to do it like this. You're not listening. And he was just like, why can not you be more like Amanda? She's so much nicer. And Amanda was this girl that was just like, Hey babe, can you do this for me? And I was watching her and I said, Okay, that's really interesting. And I learned, okay. And suddenly I started to be, It would be so happy. You're so much stronger than me. Do you mind helping me with this? And, oh, I'm stronger than oh, you. Of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's mind blowing. Yeah, no, you're very right. You're the right. study people. Yeah.
2: What would you say one of the best things that you got to learn about human behavior in people? What's your favorite thing?
1: Well, you know, it's weird because um, I generally have a slightly negative slant on people and human nature. just can't help it, my experience, <laughs> et cetera. Of course. But, um, you know, four years ago I had a stroke. I came very close to dying. And, you know, uh, I'm somebody who was very independent I did sports every day. You know, I was hiking, bicycling, swimming. Suddenly I'm walking with a cane. I'm in a wheelchair, et cetera, et cetera. And people have been so nice to me. They don't know who I am. They just see somebody like that. And they're so empathetic about somebody who's struggling, who can't walk across the street, who can't open the door. Sometimes it's a little too much because I, I have my pride and I want to be able to open the door myself. I don't want people doing all these things for me, but I was surprised at how nice, even the most churlish, nastiest person, when when they see you struggling, working with your cane, walking with your cane, etc., they they become very sympathetic, and I, I never saw that side of people Aww. until until I had this this accident. You know,
2: that's that's an interesting perspective. But don't you also think? That makes it easier to then take advantage of people. Not that I'm saying you should, <laughs> but I'm saying because you, you, you remove their guard. Their, their guard was up. I think people want to help you because they are not in that moment. They're not thinking this person can attack me or do something wrong. When people do something nice, they're still in a way it benefits them. It makes them feel good. There's no that, there's no good deed goes unpunished. But order. that's
1: okay. I don't mind that. I, I, I'm aware that there's a selfish element for it. Um, you know, sometimes when people are polite, it's not because they really like you. It's just because they don't want to offend you and have problems in their life. So not everything has to have pure angelic motives. I'm not that stupid or naive to, to realize that. So when people see you struggling, I don't take advantage of it because what am I going to gain from it? You know, I'm going to gain somebody opening a door for me. I'm going to gain
2: pickpocket. Well, <laughs> I'm okay. kidding.
1: all right, you're right. <laughs> But then <laughs> but then you have to fake that you're, that you're, really, yeah, I'm kidding. you're really like Eddie Murphy in Trading Places. I don't know if you've seen that movie.
2: I'm totally kidding. I took um, away from you saying something so nice about humans. I apologize. No,
1: I'm not saying something nice. It's just...
2: You got uh, to see a different side of them.
1: Yeah. Because what it means is people see that and they're usually kind of gruff. And here in Los Angeles, they're all worried about their life and what they have to do. And they're just so self-absorbed. And they see that and they... They melt for a minute and they they have sympathy for empathy for you and they become kind of different, you know, and it's a nice feeling. I'm not saying it comes from the greatest place and I'm not saying I'm now believe all humans are wonderful. It's just I never saw that side of people until I have this. This disability.
2: Do you feel like you also weren't paying attention or looking for that side of people? Because, right, if you look for something, you're always going to find it. So if you always thought there's negative in everyone, don't you think you pay more attention to the negative? Well, I
1: never thought there's negative in everyone. I like to see the, the positive people. And, and I've had a lot of people be very nice to me and very helpful for me. And I wouldn't be here talking to you if it weren't for my parents, the teachers in my life. Um, The guy who discovered me for the 48 Laws of Power, a wonderful man, Joost Elfers, Dutchman, who produced my first three books. And, you know, for all and for Ryan Holiday, who has been my mentor, has really helped me with my social media. I wouldn't be here if it weren't for all these people who've been very nice and human and wonderful. I just meant seeing it in an everyday situation.
2: I feel like I've learned a lesson today from our talk, which I'm going to share in a second. What would you say the greatest lesson you've ever learned?
1: It um, has to do with patience. Um, that things that appear to be a certain way in the moment are never going to appear that way a year from now or a week from now or a month from now. So learn to, to have that perspective. That time will kind of reveal the truth of things and to not, be so, to not be so upset about things in the moment, to get outside of it a little bit and to be more kind of observant and to be more connected to how you feel, et cetera, et cetera, but not want things right away, you know? So when I write a book, like my last book took me five years to write, you know? And I've had to learn to be incredibly patient and to like focus on every detail and to not be in a hurry to get things done. Because when I hurry up, I, I make things poorly. I don't do a good job. Right. And so just being patient and just understanding that time, if you if you do things correctly, time is your ally in life, that if you let things pass, to not get so upset about things that happen in the moment, right? Mm-hmm. And just to, to say, oh, okay, that that cult video that I did, and that cranky person who, who got under my skin, and got me really angry and upset about it. Am I really going to be that upset about it in a month? No, I'm not. I'm not going to care. I'm not going to care about that person who's probably got all sorts of issues in their life, etc. So, being able to detach yourself and say, it's really not that important. In the long scheme of things doesn't really. This doesn't really matter. I think is really my most important lesson.
2: So, is that what you kind of said before? That it's important to learn how to train yourself to not react. Yeah, that is a very important skill. How do you train yourself to not react? Is it just by trying to detach yourself from the situation in the moment?
1: Well, you have to. Um, you have to take baby steps. So it's not going to happen overnight. So, for instance. Uh, a classic example is in some kind of relationship or friendship or wherever somebody uh, texts you and then you text them back and then they're not texting you back and you going, what's going on here? Why are they, are they playing some game? Are they being mean? Did I do something wrong? And then you text them and you're kind of like constantly reacting and you're insecure. Step back and don't, email or text, let 24 hours pass. Just train yourself to not send that email, to not send that text, to not make that phone call, to not do that thing that you were going to do that angered you in the moment or that excited you in the moment.
2: It's one minute of creating all that anger and doing something wrong, and then it takes sometimes weeks to months to years to fix that whole issue.
1: if you ever do. Yeah. somebody does something that pisses you off and you write that angry email, you put it in the draft folder, all right? You train yourself not to send, put in the draft folder. You look at it the next day and you go, hmm, I'm not so sure about this. I'm gonna wait another 24 hours. You go in 24 hours and you go, yeah, this is really stupid. I'm really glad I didn't send it. Or you look at it 24, 48 hours and you go, no, I'm right. That was an asshole, that is a bad thing. I'm gonna send it anyway. But just let the time pass and look at it again and see whether, you know, or you're in, a, in an argument, you're in a relationship, um, and you know, the longer you're in a relationship, the more p- person can irritate you, and they say something that just gnaws at you, and you're gonna say something really mean back, and you go, nope, I'm not gonna say it. You catch yourself. If you can develop that habit, where instead of angry, you know, arguing and saying something back that you know is gonna create an argument and a problem, you step back and you just shut the fuck up, <laughs> right? Yeah. You don't say it. And it gives you the power because you're not like constantly reacting to uh, things that you're creating or to things that they're saying. It puts you in a position of power and control because you control yourself. So just learn in the, in the small things in life, in, in, the, in the arguments and discussions and conversations and emails and texts, the things that get you angry, upset, or even excited, don't react to them in the moment and let yourself wait an hour or two or a day or two days or three days. It becomes a habit and it becomes incredibly empowering.
2: I agree. I do think calmness is power. And I definitely lack it sometimes. On leadership and entitlement, you once mentioned to lose a sense of entitlement that comes with the power of a le- le- leadership position, which I think a lot of us struggle with it. You say that you have to earn the privilege every single day with what you do and say, which I agree with. So how can people who are in leadership positions actively um, progress and practice this?
1: People who are in position of power and leadership You have to understand that um, people around you are going to pretend that they like you. They're going to pretend that they think you're wonderful. They're going to pretend that they think your ideas are great because their job depends on
2: (laughs) it. That's so true.
1: And they're not necessarily being honest, right? Hmm. So they're reading your body language. They're reading who you are. They're deciphering your character. They're scrutinizing you, okay? And you don't really have a sense of, whether you really are popular or not. So you need to have certain kinds of behavior that are certain to get people to think better of you without having to, without having to yell it or scream it. So for instance, if things go wrong, if there's a problem, you don't blame other people. You take responsibility and you say, all right, team, that was my mistake. I fucked up here. I'm sorry about that. I won't let it happen again wow, that's impressive. The boss, the leader, they can say that they made a mistake. It's not often because sometimes it shows weakness, depends on how you do it, but generally it will go, well, there's some humility there, that's really nice, okay? The fact that you, are as a leader, you don't feel like people owe you respect, you feel like you have to earn their respect. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference. So you work longer hours than anybody else, right? You're not there making other people do all the hard work for you. They see the lights on in your office till seven, eight o'clock. You're the last one to leave. You're working as hard as everyone else. You're not making people do things that you wouldn't do. You're not so, all right, that's, that's, that's going to impress people very much. Treating people fairly and equally. So you don't have favorites. You don't have people that you let do things that you don't let other people do. You don't have scapegoats who you're mean to, and then other people who, who can do all kinds of bad work and you reward them. You treat everybody fairly. That's very impressive to people, you know? So the kinds of behavior that show strength, that show that, you know, you have confidence that you that you can admit that you made a mistake, that, you know, you you, you can be fair to people, etc. that will signal to them... That you're not a weak leader; that you're a confident, secure leader. Because admitting you're made a mistake is a sign of strength, not of weakness. Right? So um, these are things that you signal to people that show that you're not that they don't have to give you respect just because of your title. You're actively trying to earn it by what you do.
2: I like that. I like all of that, and I agree with that. And I also love the fact that if you're a boss or a leader, you show everyone around you that you never ask anyone to do something you wouldn't do. I like the, what you just said about being okay with admitting when you're wrong, because for a second, first, when you said that, I was thinking, okay, but well what if people take advantage of people are working for you? Cause they are like, great. Now I don't have to take the blame this. My boss is always going to say it's their fault, but I like what you're saying because relationship wise, I've noticed, and I've given this advice before, Based on things that I've read is that and I've tried it one time. I fought with the guy that I was dating and I was just so Stuck with him. He's he was in the wrong. He sucks and we fought to fight but then the next day I, I read some things and I was like not a manipulation tactic but just better understanding human behavior and I was thinking what if I just admitted that you know what some parts of me were wrong and I told him hey, you know what I was thinking you did hurt my feelings a little last night But I realized I wasn't thinking about your feelings You did have a really long day and I, I did overstep and I did get upset instead of understanding where you were coming from So I'm sorry for coming out off and doing all that. It's my fault that then You reacted the way they did because I pushed too much. I apologize. I wasn't thinking about you. I was only thinking about me and Right away. What happened next? Wow. I was not expecting you to apologize. You know what now that I think about it I'm also sorry I yeah. was really mean to you, yeah. blah, blah, And you're like, holy shit.
1: Well, the thing is, you don't want do, to do that every single no, time. No, of course. That is going to set weakness, and that will make people take advantage of you. But if you do it every now and then, you know, like you admit it, it'll have that effect, right? It'll melt people because it'll show, you know, that, you're, that you have some humility, that you're, 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 you're aware and you're thinking of them, etc., cetera, et cetera. You're not so defensive. One of the weakest qualities you can detect in another person in seduction, in power, whatever, is their defensiveness. They're always, like, worried about themselves. They're always, like, holding themselves like this, and you can offend them at the slightest thing you say, and they're always, like, worried and anxious. We don't like being around people like that because it makes us anxious and defensive, right? If someone comes up to you you haven't met, and they have a slightly kind of wary, hostile attitude towards you. Like they're already suspicious of you. It makes you suspicious in return. It makes you act in a way that confirms them in their belief that people are generally bad. So they're creating their own kind of bad reactions. Defensiveness, you're making other people defensive, right? So having the opposite quality of being open and not being so defensive and admitting your mistakes and admitting that you're just a human being, that you have faults, that you are aware of that, is incredibly seductive and incredibly, it actually shows great inner strength.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it makes you also more likable. We've talked about in more than one book about never showing that you're perfect or too perfect. because No one can relate to that. If you had to pick only one of your books for someone to read and take with them through their life, which book do you think it would be?
1: It's my longest book. It's 560 pages. Mm-hmm. And it's very, it's kind of dense, but it's like, I call it the ultimate handbook for understanding human behavior. It's going to make you aware of yourself and your own negative qualities and how you can change some of these bad patterns. And it'll make you very aware of other people. It'll be, make you able to see through them, to see through the manipulative, the toxic people that enter your life. You know, toxic people, they don't come barging in, into your into your world announcing, hey, I'm toxic. They've usually learned to be very charming.
2: A lot of times also don't know that they're toxic.
1: They've learned to be very charming, and they can even be very charismatic. And they, they learned since early childhood that the way to get people, to gain power over people, is to at first kind of charm them with their attention, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But then slowly, they learn to make everything about themselves. They drag you into their dramas. They manipulate you. They use you, et cetera. Yeah. So the ability to see a toxic person as they from the first time you meet them or from your second or third meeting is going to save you so much pain in life. You're not going to hire the wrong business partner who will steal your company from you. You won't get involved in a relationship with a man or a woman, it's gonna ruin your life. You won't enter a workplace, it's gonna destroy you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You're gonna choose the right friends, et cetera. So I think the laws of human nature, if you can read a book that's long, you don't have to read cover to cover It's like 18 chapters on all the different elements of human behavior, you know, uh, is, most important, but then the forty-eight laws of power would be second. If relationships matter to you, maybe the art of seduction would right. be in third place.
2: I think that is important too. Can I tell you what two things I learned from you today? Two things. My main things, which are very important. I'm just <laughs> okay. Uh, the first thing that I feel like I learned, which I think was really cool, was that I think people mistake of what the meaning of power is, and I think when people think of power. They think of someone that's aggressive, loud, manipulative, deceptive, all that. And I think the cool thing is what I got to learn about power is that when you're true to yourself, that's your real power because no one can take that away from you when you know who you are. So that's number one, which I love. The second thing that I learned from you that I really love that I will carry on is that your weakness and strength can be the same thing. So I think it's really cool how the reason you wrote the book was you said it's because you... You, you were a timid person. So something that other people may have you view, viewed as a negative or a flaw because you weren't the loudest in the room. You figured out how to get power from that. I mean, that's by being a listener and then writing it all down and being able to assess people, which is something that if someone is the, taking all the attention in the room, they don't have the, the, the time to figure out other people because they don't shut the fuck up. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Just like when you said I'm unique and all that. That was really cool for me because, you know, growing up and being a loner and all that, always thinking that that made me different by being different. When I started doing my job, that is my power. That's how it became my strength. Yeah, yeah. To stand out. I think those two things are something that people can take with them to start their new year. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean... I don't think there's greater two lessons than that, of knowing where your power is, being true to yourself and using your weakness as your strength.
1: Well, if we can edit the whole <laughs> interview down to about the last five minutes you just say that and it'll be enough for people. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. I think. <laughs> Did you like my answer? Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Thank you. I love analyzing everything. Yeah, it's no, amazing. it's very
1: wise. I, can't, I couldn't agree more.
2: Well, it's coming from you. Technically- yeah, but
1: you you reworded it in a way that was very accurate and very interesting because you kind of rephrased it in a way that reflected your own thinking in your own life, which was interesting.
2: Thank you. So you think if a person had a choice between uh, to gain power with respect or with fear, because some people think it's similar, some people think growing up we used to think fear was better. Do you think it's actually not better, respect is better? Well,
1: respect has an element of fear. You know, I, I, I respect your your talent, let's say, as uh, um, as whatever, you're my boss or whatever. I respect that you know more than me, that you're talented. For me. But that also makes me a little bit afraid of you because you're stronger, you're more powerful than I am. If when you disrespect someone, you don't have any fear of them, right? So you don't want people cowering who work for you, you're yelling at them, they're afraid to say anything, because then they're gonna sabotage you and you're just gonna,
2: to... but it. if
1: they're not afraid of you at all, they're just gonna run right all over you. So when we were talking about that leadership stuff and the things in there, you can't be too nice to people. So when you're treating people fairly, as I said, and and somebody um, who everyone thinks is like, you know, got the golden touch, does something wrong and you yell at them and you make it clear that they stepped over a line. Whoa. Okay. All right. So I, I can't get too close to this boss, you know, they, they're still the leader, but you know, so it's like a people think too much in terms of black and white, fear or love. Do we don't want people to like me or fear me? You want them to like you and fear you at the same time.
2: Got it. Not
1: too much fear and not too much love.
2: Right, because you don't want them to be resentful. Okay, that, mean, that makes a lot of sense. Growing up, I always thought if people feared me, then they would never leave me, <laughs> which is so silly. Well,
1: they will leave you. They'll, they'll they will you.
2: still leave me That's so and sabotage me on the way. Yeah. Okay, where can people find you?
1: Well, um, I have an old uh, ancient website called Power Seduction and War, the and is spelled out, dot .com. Power, seduction and, war.com. and there you'll find my twitter my instagram my tiktok my youtube and email address for writing
2: okay and i'll put all of his handles and his website in the description of this episode and what are you currently working on that you want people to know about
1: i'm working on a book that won't be out for a few years it's on okay. a subject called the sublime it's a um, Something that was the last chapter of the book they did with 50 Cent, the last chapter of my human nature book, the paradigm for it is confronting your mortality, the finding that you're, that there's an end to your life at some point. And that confronting it and being aware of death is actually the most liberating thing that you can do. It makes life utterly sublime. It makes you so aware of how things are, nothing ever lasts. You better appreciate it while it's here. It makes you observant of everything. It makes you urgent to have an, you know, I better get things done. because so I only have so much time. It makes you appreciate the people around you. I'm trying to open people's eyes up. because I think we're too lost in the banality of our worlds with our smartphones, et cetera. I'm trying to open up to you the idea that the world that we live in is actually insane. It is insanely awesome and weird. And, um, you're, you're too much caught up in thinking the same ideas and thoughts day after day after day after day. And you're not actually aware of this weird, amazing world around you. And I'm, I talk about uh, all sorts of different things. I talk about what you were like in childhood and how childhood was a sublime experience. I talk about how the human brain is, is insane and, and what it means to have consciousness. I talk about our relationship to animals, which is the chapter I'm working mm-hmm. on. I talk about love and what the connection to another person means, et cetera, et cetera. Just so, um, because I just said it was people's thoughts right now are so narrow. And I want to kind of open it up into something extremely expansive.
2: People's thoughts are really narrow because everyone, two things people are looking for to be understood while not understanding anyone around them. Yeah. And then to have a purpose. And a lot of people right now don't have a purpose, they don't realize this. So yeah. they Focus our purpose on being uh, obsessed with climate change, or being obsessed with politics, or whatever it is that becomes our purpose. And yeah. their purpose ends up being someone else's journey or someone else's success. Yeah. It's, it, it is sad. I think people's mental mental health really got screwed up after did, the it, pandemic, it it and did. they're still processing it. Because yeah. uh, there's research that shows our human brains are not meant to are not meant to process a lot of things at once. No. You know? That's why it's going to take us years, most people, years to process everything that we went through Yeah. few years. Yeah. So that's a really cool book. What was the most recent book that came out then?
1: The Daily Laws.
2: The Daily Laws. Okay. So check that one out. I'm actually very interested in the one about the human behavior. I'm Laws of that. human nature. Human nature. I'm going to buy that. Will you sign my book that I have? Sure. Okay, cool. Well, um, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. And I hope you guys make sure to go follow him and everything. I'll leave in the description of my bio. And have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.